Wele yunka, ikwasi yunka, awele yunka, wele yunka, ikwasi yunka. Welcome to the Historical Wisdom Podcast, where we share stories of health, healing, medicine, and the histories that frame Native American experience, particularly for tribes and Native people in Riverside and San Bernardino Counties, California. Each segment will explore different aspects of what historical trauma means to Native American communities and the healthcare providers who serve them. We share this knowledge with you from the perspective that To understand the history and strengths of Native Americans and how policy and institutions of medicine work, we can improve the delivery of healthcare and human well-being. For Chihun Piyong Bunach, a Gathering of Good Minds project, I'm Juliet McMullen, and we share with you historical wisdom. Today's episode really emphasizes the importance of sharing stories. After we were able to put together a couple of episodes, we began sharing them with our community partners to hear what they thought, to get some evaluation, some feedback of, you know, were we getting this right or should we be doing something different? The conversation that we want to share with you today is actually one of the reflections from our community partners on our first episode, Our Voices, What You Should Know. And if you remember that episode, we had numerous people sharing what they thought were strengths of the community and what they thought doctors should know when working with Native Americans. If you haven't listened to that episode, we recommend that you go back and listen before you hear this one. When we were asking for feedback on our episodes, I often started with the question, so what did you think? Marty, Aaron, Janelle, and Kendall shared their thoughts with us and have given us permission to share them with you. To hear the interaction between listening to someone else's story and then what it brings up for our community partners or what it brings up for the people who are hearing it is powerful. Sharing stories resonates. It resonates with listeners. It allows other people to share their stories. And in doing so, it becomes a source of healing. And it also becomes a source of learning for our healthcare practitioners. So we wanted to give you the opportunity to hear their conversation about episode one, Our Voices. Marty, Aaron, Janelle, and Kendall We are grateful for your openness and for allowing so many of us to hear your thoughts. Well, my real name is Marguerite Pablo, and all my good friends call me Marty. It's a nickname. And, you know, I used to say that my brother gave me that nickname, and it was just a fairy tale. And, indeed, I wanted to be something different than myself, so I made up this nickname. And when I came to Morongo when I was uh, 17 for the very first time to find my dad, who I had been separated from since I was two, I felt the need to put on a mask because I didn't think I would be accepted. Because I was living out there in Palm Springs where I was born and raised, and I didn't have what everybody here in Morongo had. And that was the fact that they were born and raised here and they always lived here. My location of where I grew up, they, they say, oh, um, you act like those white girls. And so, like, you know, from the very beginning, I was, like, already categorized. And so I didn't know how to process that. Didn't even think there was anything to be processed because I didn't know anything about life. All I know is I wanted to meet my dad. And there were these cousins that were 
put it right in front of me and, and I wasn't being accepted. And I was just like, why not? I mean, I wasn't being accepted at home. I thought poor little Marty. <laughs> and, um, because there were situations, um, a lot of hurt. This is what I wrote. It's important to realize that there are some natives who did not allow themselves to be brought down by the trauma associated with, with boarding schools and the poverty um, that generations experienced at first. My father was one of those who excelled at Sherman Institute. Also, my father attended St. Boniface when he was a child, and he didn't have, have much to say about that or his time uh, fighting for and in uh, World War II. And, um, but it was the separation from my mother and, and my brother and myself that hurt him down to his core. And then... Um, then everything that was bottled up inside of him came out to the form of alcoholism. And along with that, you know, um, it brought him, like, it took him to Skid Row in, in downtown L.A., and then eventually he came back to the res, and he just, like, got involved with uh, tribal culture again and did some healing. I don't, he never said anything about going to AA or anything like that. He was hired on as the watermaster and then started going to college, and, you know, things started changing in his life. He worked for the city of Banning for years and, and retired from there. And I thought, I didn't think of it much at that time, but, you know, um, I think of, of all the things he did. And for the city of Banning, um, they gave him a gold watch. And I don't even think it was really gold. So <laughs> I felt like, I felt like deprived for my father because he was such a good man. This man always walked around with a smile. He had diabetes. He had lots of things wrong with his body, but he was always cheerful. And I always wanted to be like him. And... I do my best to do that now. What I didn't realize is uh, um, that uh, separation from my father and not knowing a father figure while growing up did harm me in ways. But I had a choice whether to accept that harm and run with it and make it something really bad or go the opposite way. Well, I chose, of course, the easy way. Let me just go ruin my whole life. Mm -hmm. And then, I'll, you know, but it took me till I was 53 years old to get clean and sober, and I just celebrated 10 years in December. And uh, I know my dad's proud of me. I know my mom is proud of me. You know, I'm just a little emotional because I think about where we were and where we are now, and that is what's most important. So the things I took from that recording are early beginnings. Yeah, there was a time when Morongo had uh, dirt roads. The only, the only road that was, like, really paved was the the road going morning. to town, mm -hmm. you know, and my dad had, um, you know, um, a road that he climbed up the side of this trail to get to home. And those were the early beginnings. I remember when, like, if, if anybody came out here who they knew didn't belong out here, they'd get in their car and they'd go down there if they had a car, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, what I heard through uh, Mike Madrigal is going back to basics, utilizing the, the plants and, uh, you know, the, the songs and you know, the things that cheered people up back in the day, you know, I'm getting to learn about that now. It's really, it's really um, helped me in a lot of ways. And he also spoke about higher education. You know, I, I got clean and sober in, in 2009, and I didn't know what I was going to do in my life. All I know is I didn't want to go back to where I was because I was shooting dope in my arm every 15 minutes. And, you know, and I knew there was, had to be something better than, to life than that. But, you know, some of us have to run it to the ends, you know. And, and I'm in my family, I lost two siblings to um, heroin overdoses and you know, um, yeah, I was gifted to come back to the reservation and learn what it was like, learn um, how good it feels to cross that cattle guard and say, I'm home, where they'll say, he'll say, well, you know, sister, you're colonial hours by leaving on that res. I'm like, say what you say, that's home, you know, <laughs> and I don't tell him that to his face because I'm not out to hurt nobody, you know. I did enough of that to myself, so why wouldn't I want somebody else to experience it? So Mike Madrigal um, 
did speak about that. And since I got clean, I think it was like my seventh year of sobriety, I decided, well, somebody said, let's go to school. <laughs> and I said, okay, let's go. And he said, so it was around cue at time, you know, time for the fiesta. And then, cool, let's go check it out. He said, well, I'm working on the Ramada, so I can't go right now. You go ahead. <laughs> Next thing I know, I'm enrolled in Mount Senecino College. I'm over here getting a full-on scholarship to ride me all the way through, and he can't go. <laughs> this is my partner in life and sobriety and travels. We do so much together, and I thank you, man, for mm-hmm. He's like the eldest son, you know, of the family and our go-to, you know. We talk to each other in Kauia every morning, you know, on just the little things that I love about our uh, association as cousins. And, um, yeah, I wound up going to um, Mount San Jacinto College and graduated last year uh, with two AA degrees, one in social behavioral science and one in humanities. And I'm still attending college at uh, California Indian Nation College where I am collecting uh, courses little by little so I can transfer out to UCR and possibly get a BA in Native American Studies. Another thing I was talking about, um, trauma. Yeah, like that woman said, I think we all have a little bit of trauma. And it's important to, for me to understand that um, not everybody is at their spiritual point in their life as we are. And it took, me, it took us a long time to get to where we are, <laughs> leaving things behind, Making a choice every time my feet hit that floor in the morning, what am I going to do with today? Am I going to cry about the past or am I going to leave it behind and move forward? Um, am I going to find out deep inside what I can let go of? You know, I hang out with these people, Narcotics Anonymous, and uh, they talk about discovering, disclosing, and discarding. And and that is such a good way to to get on with life. Stereotypes, well, I ain't got much to say for stereotypes. There's always going to be that. Um, um, people make their choices. They that's just the way it is. And um, but what we do today, we do our best to change our perspective on our lives, because that makes a difference in the people that are coming up behind us. I got little cousins of, you know, um, changing my perspective on my life has gotten me um, through education. Uh, I'm now we're serving on the board of directors for Malky Museum. And his grandmother and my great aunt were the ones that started that museum. And now we get to do that together. Mm-hmm. You know, just one more thing we get to put, you know, say, hey, we're not showbutting or anything like that. But we thank, I'm very thankful that we get to do these things today. So um, living off the reservation versus living on the reservation is really like I was talking, talking about my brother and, you know, um, not putting him down. But I just wish that they had the opportunity to live on their reservation and see how beautiful it is to be in here. It's secure, it's quiet, it's natural, it's, ah. Uh. But another thing about living on the reservation is people are watching you. We're either going to get praised or we're going to get scolded. And both of those have their purpose, so it's what we're going to do with it, you know. I think a lot of a lot of natives have the inability to process love. Some of them don't want you to hug them, mm-hmm. you know, and some of us do. And sobriety is key. I mean, it's like one of the main things that has gotten to me to where I am now. And embracing our culture is so important. We're doing that. And it's never too late to start over because I got clean when I was 53. And and the sky's the limit as long as I stay stay clean. You know, there's nothing I can't do. Yesterday I went to court and got my record expunged. Mm -hmm. And I could never, you know, I I never thought that uh, an addict like me would be able to, you know, and, you know, rise above where I was. And uh, 
and still remain on equal terms with everybody because I never want to think that I'm better than anyone else. And so, um, yeah, to people um, we have here on the reservation who are helping us and um, people like Aaron who keep the language alive, we're, we're uniting, reigniting our, our language for all ages. And so when she spoke about, the one woman spoke about um, Sweat Lodges Lakota, I am a firm believer in that. So why not search for our own Kawea ways and make that, you know, uh, there's a lot about the Red Road and this and that. And I understand that it's, it's a cool way to start, but why not dig deep in and, um, or create something that, you know, would be in Kawea for our, for our people. And, um, first and foremost, I my last of all, I think about self-forgiveness because if I could have never forgiven myself for all the things that I had done while I was out there in my disease and, um, the way I thought about myself because I didn't have a father where there were fathers in, cause I grew up in the dream homes of Palm Springs and it was a little, um, predominantly white neighborhood and we were like, <clears throat> you know, singled out and, and there were a lot of families with, um, moms and dads and we didn't have that. So, you know, it, it, I guess it bothered my mom and she had, um, the only way she could express it was verbally. So, you know, um, I understand that today and I, but, um, back then I just thought it was like, what is so wrong with me that she has to talk to me that way? I didn't understand those things, um, back in the day. So yeah, I like the way she ended it. And, um, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Thank mm-hmm. you. Well, one thing that I wanted to add is that she's talking about the change of doctors. And she's talking about how the doctors change over. I was one of the people that was like that too. When we first came to this reservation, we had one doctor. Then, you know, when I was young, I didn't think about it because I never really attached to any doctor. As I got to be in a drug addiction, and then they gave me these counselors to come and help me. It was one counselor this year. The next year was another one. Then the next one. And next thing you know, and, and it took me about what? 20 some years, maybe more involved in the, into rehabs going through here. And I had, I had ran into a lot of counselors or a lot of them, a lot of, not just, that's just the counselor. I'm talking about the doctors that were in there too. And by saying that, I believe that this podcast that you're fixing is a way to teach to these doctors that are coming in that be aware that, you know, you might not be here next year. So when you get to these new people, express to them how things are and try to teach them the same way so that if everybody's hearing the same thing, they might be able to have the same type of view. Now, there's no way that every one of us are going to have the same view, but we might be able to be on the same track if we all heard the same thing. And that's what I'm thinking that by doing this podcast, you might be able to help some of these doctors when they're first coming in to be able to accept in a different way, native point of view from the beginning, especially coming from types of trauma. I heard several types of trauma that we were unaware of in her mother alone, just listening to that. We don't know what happened because we weren't there, but we know right now from listening to what she just said, there was a type of trauma in there. Now, if she were to go into the clinic and and discuss that with somebody and they were already aware of these podcasts that you're saying, that might give them a better understanding of what she's talking about right from the get-go instead of having to instead of say well can you tell me more wait a minute okay let's think you know and that's what the doctors are there for to not only just figure out about how you are physically but mentally and emotionally as well to heal you that's what I, I heard on that first part so i think what you're doing is a really good job i really do and i like the way i heard especially from way up north to all the way down south 
I really like listening to them. It was a good choice you did there. And then they're talking about strengths and how they can help us, help us to heal. Didn't really dawn on me until I heard you talk about what are the strengths in our community. You know, today there's we have a lot of strengths and it's all about our culture, our language, our song, our dance, especially the medicines, uh, how we heal. Just those alone are major strengths that we have in our community. And what I'm hearing too is listening to my cousin talk right here about other strengths that we're having. Our young people are going to college. They're learning things, you know, they're learning things. And at the same time, they're wanting to learn about the culture that the rest of us have that we have to offer them. And I'm seeing some young kids behave in a different manner that I didn't get a chance to because I didn't know any different. But they know different. They're not just learning from the school, but they're learning from our mistakes. <laughs> they're learning from our mistakes. And the sad part is, is that it's not the fact that they're learning from mine. It's from the people that are dying in their family, people that are literally passing away on them and that their mothers and their fathers, their brothers. That's that's the hard way they're learning. They're seeing that or, or worse. I'm not saying any worse that, that death is not the worst. I think what's even worse is that when you have a father taken away for life inside a prison institution, still alive, but you can't go see him no more. That to me, that's you that you're still living that when we when, when we die, when we, when we pass away, it's it. There's no more. We're living with that and there's nothing you can do to change it. But when people are removed from their family, mothers, fathers, and put into institutions because of drug abuse or alcoholism or just type of violence, the kids have to suffer that. And again, these strengths that we have in our community that you bring up, they're there. They are there. So this podcast might be another good way to help these doctors understand that there are other ways for us to heal ourselves. I believe that there are other ways of healing. Um, I got high blood cholesterol. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking about going on this diet and start eating fish every day, trying to take care of, do something different to get that omega-3 oil in my, in my body to make it lower down. Because I really don't want to take the medication. And I also have a thing called, uh, what do you call it? H. pylori in my gut and I don't want to take these medications to take it and they're just pushing me they're pushing me do you have to and I'm like oh my god so now there's a choice inside my head is there other ways to go around I started looking online there uh, there fortunately there is a couple ways but then I run the risk of, of what happens if it doesn't work what happens uh choices again there are other choices that people might be out here that might know about traditional medicines that might be available to them and if the doctors aren't aware of that this doctor's not aware of what I'm talking about and he's just pushing me to the limit. I'm like, oh, get angry because he doesn't want to hear me. Well, you're the patient. I'm the doctor. That's right. You are the doctor. And I'm trying to give you that benefit to let you know that maybe there's another way. And some of us actually know those ways. And some of us are actually really, really good. Who knows all the way up north what they might know? You see what I'm saying? And if these podcasts are out there, might give another example to show that, you know what? There are other healing things to do, uh, medicines that are out there. And this podcast might give them more knowledge about how we can heal ourselves through traditional medicine, physically, emotionally, and, and mentally. My name is Janelle. I'm from Korea, part of the board. Listening to you guys on fire about where you guys have come from is really inspiring. It's really good to see that you guys have kind of like a rawness that you're able to speak of things because like you said sometimes people come somewhere and you don't know where they're at in recovery or where they're at or whatever i know that indian health offers one component to your sobriety and they have a certain just say it <laughs> I, I don't even know how to say it they have a certain mindset what your sobriety is going to look mm -hmm. like right and what, what you're going to come out at the end of this i have a 24 year old son and he's in rehab right now the main goal, and, and, and you're right, what you can deal with sober 
and people's lives, they come in and out. And my mm. life has been a roller coaster right now. But what kills me is because I put him there and I set him up and I said, look, they're going to help you, right? Their goal right now is to take him away from the reservation. As mm. soon as you get off the reservation, you'll be sober. As soon as you get away from your mom, <laughs> whatever. And I'm like, that's where you're coming back to. Mm. That's where we live. We don't have property in Malibu. We don't have, yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah. these other options. And I love that, that sometimes I think that their concept of what we should be doing, you know, you're 18, you're over 18, you need to get out of the house, you need to do, but the reality of it is you're coming back to the reservation. Sometimes you're not going to be around people that are sober. You can't mm -hmm. because you're sober. It doesn't mean that my uncle's going to be sober and you can't come over for, you know, New Year's or whatever. We're going to drink. They're going to drink, not me. But I mean, you know, and you can't tell my uncle, hey, man, that's, you know, we're all sober now. And that's not how we live. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. not the way that we live. You got to come in and, and adjust yourself to the community you're coming back to because the reality is you're coming back to that community. Mm -hmm. for for what we're dealing with now is they understand that he gets per capita. They want to help him get a car, get a job, get whatever, go live in the middle of downtown, wherever mm -hmm. the heck. Uh, we live on dirt roads. We live in the same K through 12 since we started school. You know, it's like this is a small community. So what you guys are setting him up for to be the mayor of so-and-so, you know, that's not going to happen. Reality is he'll probably come back and work on the res. He might be a tribal monitor. He could be working at the casino. The things that some part of Indian Health picks up for you and says, look, you're going to be okay when we put you here. And I put my trust in that. I'm thinking mm -hmm. that's going to work because it works, right? But to cookie cutter everybody and say, look, this is going to work for you. This is going to work for everybody. Right. But looking to see where you guys have come from, you guys have found something. Something's working. Something's put you past your first year, your two years, your whatever. Something's lit that fire in you and you said, you know what? I found it. Maybe not in this. Maybe not in that. However you found that answer, beautiful. Let that work for you. To tell you, you know what? You're doing it wrong. I don't care. You know, you can sing that song right. You're saying something wrong. You know, like. Okay, maybe I didn't say it right. Maybe I got it wrong. But I don't want to knock you off your horse because you're not doing something the way I think you should do it. And I feel like a lot of times with us natives, we have a preconceived notion of what a healed native looks like, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and we're not. We're not ever going to be that great. We're all in a happy place or whatever because sometimes that hurts too deep. That whatever is too big. But whatever I go through and I'm good, I'm sitting here good on myself. What my kid goes through will knock me right off of this where I'm doing good, you know. But I was telling Luella, what they see is a 23-year-old man in their program who's got to get his crap together and get out of his, you know, whatever. What I see is a little kid, don't be uh, mean to my baby. Yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Best believe it. You know, and he signed up for this program, and I'm, you know, like you guys, I'm still, besides being a board member, I'm still a patient. I want the the providers to know that he's not a number. He's not whatever society or whatever's happening in your, you know, geez, by the time I was 24, I already had a job. I was, you know, bank account and blah, 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 you know, whatever. It's like, whoa, well, when I was 18, I got my driver's license because I didn't have to do the driver's ed thing. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? They did that in school, but now we're in a different place. Mm -hmm. So what society or what these guys are driving him to, I'm like, I feel like reality is for, that you're setting him up to fail. You're setting him up to be somewhere he's not gonna mm -hmm. fit in, you know? Bringing him back to the res, you're not gonna sober everybody up around you. Mm -hmm. You gotta get 
you can move to the moon if you feel like it. But they're going to ship up some beer to you. Wherever you go, you're going to deal with that. You're going to deal with alcoholism. You're going to deal with that type of thing. And, and you're right. Whatever <coughs> road you choose, you're thinking, if I go this way because that's what makes me feel good, then do it. Then do whatever the heck it is to make you happy. Watching your grandkids smile, watching them dance, do it. Mm -hmm. But I see other natives doing this to each other. You're not dancing, right? Yeah. dancing the way you are. <laughs> you know, and you get that because I've seen that. I, you listen to your parents, your grandparents. I, I asked my grams. I was like, grams. So I went down to watch these bird singers and stuff, and I saw the girls, and man, Gramps, they bounced up so high and, and down, and it was just cool. Why why you didn't teach us how to dance like that? Now we bounce all, you know, little, that's nothing. I'm not making no dust or nothing, she's like, because that's not how you dance. We're not supposed to be show off and, you know, whatever. And I'm like, so when I see them like that and I think to myself, you're not supposed to do that. I'm not going to say that to them because that girl's out there happy. Yes. She's out there yes. dancing. She's out there doing it. She's sober. You got, there's steps to do that. And when you go out there and you show yourself and you're not sober, it shows, you know, and things that you're thinking like, oh, I'm fooling everybody. You're not fooling nobody. They know what you're up to. You're right. Come on to this res. They know if you're doing good. They know if you're doing uh -huh. bad. They, you know, we'll say it right to your face, but I'm thinking wherever you guys are, I'd like to see you guys, talk to you guys, figure out, you know, um, it, it is that community help. It is that community coming here to Morongo, coming to the different reservations and finding there are places that you can be sober and there are places that you go and they're supposed to be sober and you know they're not you know around the outskirts but you don't see them right in the middle of everything drinking with an open can of beer you know so whatever you guys have i'd like to i'd like that to go i'd like that to go everywhere i'd like everybody to figure out what you what has taken you guys so long and like you said it wasn't easy it wasn't but maybe you went through that because somebody else couldn't you know, maybe somebody else wasn't able to come out at the end and say, look, this is my story. This is where I came from. Can I add to, I just, I have been blessed to, to come and hear and, and, you know, sit with you. And, and, you know, it's, too, it is too bad that all of our doctors can't do that. I mean, I, I mean, I'm here, I am 15 years later, being able to uh, work with the community and, and hear and understand their stories. And so we're trying to, take a little bit of that to the providers and I, you know our hope is that they they do gain and they're they they can come in and sit down and and begin to maybe look past you know whatever it is because sometimes it's it's a lot deeper um so yeah i i just feel blessed to be a part of it and we're hoping that this will give them a little because it would be nice if if they could all sit here and hear you talk that way. I mean, it just, it opens up a lot. So, thank you. Alua for listening to Historical Wisdom. We trust that it will help you as you care for yourself and others. Additional wisdom and references about historical trauma and interviews can be found on our website at gogm.live. Alua to Sean Milanovic for sharing the opening and closing bird songs. The podcast was produced by Juliet McMullen and our Chihun Piyunk Inach Steering Committee and edited by Catherine Rodriguez and Wyatt Kelly. Content was developed in conversations with community members and our Chihun Piyunk Inach Steering Committee 
that include Sherry Salgado, Luella Thornton, Julie Andrews, Holly Bronner, Veronica Espinoza, Jonelle John, Michelle Opsall, Gina Hughes, Catherine Rodriguez, Ann Cheney, Kendall Shumway, Wyatt Kelly, Sean Milanovich, Amanda Marquez, Laureen Sisqua, Clifford Trapser, Roseanne Rosenthal, and Jackie Weisspirit. The Historical Wisdom Podcast is funded through and an engagement award from the Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute. Aloha from the Chihun Piyunk Inach Project, www.gogm.live. Hey, Matina, ha, mi, ya, we, ka, ha, ya, we, ka, we, ka.